0: We've got some fresh, new, young talent doing some things that I know you haven't heard before.
1: One, two, three. Listen.
2: You gotta have a like the why, and so we know our why. So I th-
1: you don't need to reinvent the wheel. Yep. Millions and millions of people have done this already. You can get help. You can get a roadmap. You can save a lot of time, money, and frustration. Welcome to the Value Add Podcast with K and K.
2: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode. A value add with K&K today and only today. I don't know why I said that. We're talking about commercial financing with the Mitch and Crystal. Welcome. I said Hi. welcome. Hello. Wake up. <laughs> Hello. Are you there? Hi. Um, so today we're going to talk about loans.
1: Awesome. We're excited. We're going to
2: specifically talk about commercial loans and more specifically talk about I like to talk about because you guys are getting I I like to talk about things I hear about from clients it's some because I'm sitting there and I listen I think you guys are getting a lot of purchases a lot of refinances and I think when we're in a market like this financing is very competitive like everybody wants to lend right banks are kind of the rates are good everybody's lending they're refinancing and a lot of people don't know where to go so they're looking at Do I go get a bank loan? Do I get Fannie loans? Things like that. So today we're going to talk about the difference from a bank and Fannie Mae loan. So I want to start there. Um, So Crystal or Mitch, tell us the difference from a bank and Fannie Mae loan, and then why would you typically use one or the other, and what's the advantages?
1: Well, I would say just to start, um, in some of the core markets, like where we're at in San Diego... I've really tried to. What's a core
2: market? Explain a core market.
1: Like a large city. So if you're in San Diego, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and then if you go outside of California. I'm in Palm Desert, Seattle. Core city? Palm Desert? uh, No. Uh, It's a little bit small and a lot of land, you know. So in cities that are more dense and urban, I would say, um, a lot of times there is some really competitive financing available. So I have found that we don't really have the need for the small balance Fannie Freddie stuff um, because we have lower rates available with banks and um, the closing costs for that type of loan are much higher than a typical bank as well. So you're looking at like twelve to $14,000 in lender fees, including your appraisal and everything, but about $14,000 because you have legal um, to deal with as well. So quick question. That. So that's expensive compared to a bank.
2: So Mitch, quick question. Because somebody's listening to this, doesn't understand loans. Why does a bank not want to go lend? Why does a bank want to be aggressive? Like I know San Diego, Orange County, LA. It's like some of the most aggressive financing in the. country. I mean, it's a place to lend, right? Why, if you go to Palm Desert, they're like, yeah, we're not really interested. And how can they can they legally do that?
0: Yeah, banks—they uh, really can't get away with that. For commercial, it's a little bit more um, open-ended on their front. It's not it's you know, redlining or, or you know, so busting or no respa. It's no no respa, but it's a it's a business loan. And in some of those outlying areas, in the past recession, a lot of banks took losses uh, because you know, in the downturn, people lost jobs, uh, vacancies went up. You know, apartment owners were defaulting because they had 10, 20, 30 percent vacant, and they couldn't pay off. You know, pay the max leverage debt. So, lenders have got a little more cautious. They, you know, qualify those a little bit harder. They give a more restrictions on loan to value. Uh, where you know, an agency product, they they're across the country, same guidelines.
1: Um, so they're like a you know. one twenty DCR up to eighty percent loan to value. Um, they may price up for some of the non. You know, like the. If you're not in a major MSA, they may price up a little bit, but they'll still run there to the same guidelines.
2: It's almost like with residential Fannie and Freddie, it's like if you go in these rural areas, nobody wants to touch it, but Fannie and Freddie... It's, they do a lot of business there, and it's a lot of because the banks really just like to focus on core markets because that's where the boom and hustle and things are happening, and people live. And when you go outside, the density is less and less and less, which is more and more risk. Technically, right?
0: Yeah, and they they've also got a larger portfolio of performing loans and a you know bigger you know bigger portfolio. So if they do have a loss here and there, it doesn't hurt them nearly as bad as a you know, a bank who um, has to write off that loss. It affects their you know total amount to lend and. They'd rather get aggressive for you know existing clients in their for their footprint where they've got branches or where, you know where they're located, where they can check on the property, that sort of thing
2: um, so Crystal, you said the difference from Fanning a bank is basically you said one of the things is, is is fees
1: Yeah, the big thing that I notice with clients I mean there's two things, so their small balance program rates are not as What's a small balance? Um, so small balance, they do anything from like $1 million to maybe like $5 million. Okay. And their closing costs, like I said, are $12,000. When you have lenders out there like Chase that are doing closing costs of $2,000, that's a huge difference in fees. Um, not to mention that – I mean we just sized one out the other day. It's interesting because we had a client call um, and said, hey, I really want to do a Freddie Mac loan. But um, it, it's like a $1.2 million loan amount. Well, and I said, "Well, why do you want to do that?" Well, I want a ten-year fixed, and I want eighty percent loan to value. The property's in Lakeside. That's in California, and San Diego. Mm-hmm. And I'm—I was kind of laughing, so I was like, "Well, I don't know what property, first off, in San Diego is going to debt cover to eighty percent loan to value." Not but today. for some reason, he had in his head, he saw somewhere about these Freddie Mac loans. So I said, "Okay, fine. I can get you pricing for that. I can probably beat the person you already have a term sheet with." Um, so we got, we got that term sheet uh, for our Freddie Mac small balance loan. It was a much – it was a, like 20 basis points higher than our next, you know, like lowest rate. So we ended up um, going with a bank and having less fees and a significantly lower loan amount. So I think we quoted him like 4.6. Lower, lower rate. Yeah, lower rate. I think we quoted him like 4.69 on the Freddie small balance program. And that was going to be like the $14,000 in cost plus our fee. And then we gave him like an actual 10 year fixed, another bank 10 year fixed at 4.35 um with a much lower like about five thousand dollars less in closing costs than the freddie loan and then we gave him a third option which is cool uh, a five plus five which means that he's able to lock in his rate for five years you get a much lower rate so it's 4.1 and then in the second five years it can like it adjusts one time um and it can only go up max of a half a point so at, the max half a point, it goes up to 4.6. That's absolute worst case. And it's fixed again for another five years. So it's still lower. Their worst case five years down the road is still worse, or is still better than Freddie's 4.69 that he was going to get. So so
2: basically it's making sense to go, if you're going to do a Fannie or Freddie loan, it probably because rates are good and banks are competitive here in San Diego, we're talking about. Yes. If you're under $5 million, you're probably at this point in time going to do better at a bank.
1: or Yeah, and and we even had another one that we priced out um, recently, larger loans. So a $4 million loan amount and a $5 million loan amount, like 60 to 65% loan-to-value. And we priced out – they wanted a seven-year program. We priced out the seven-year. It's basically the exact – it was like basically the same rate that you could get with a bank. And then this morning we got – Reduced rate. So they were actually – the bank was 10 basis points lower <laughs> than the Freddie small balance program. Again, lower fees across the board to close. So- For example,
2: that guy came to you and he wanted a Freddie loan. In his mind, he's like, I want a Freddie loan. Yeah. So you, did you contact him today about the new – rate going down?
1: No, not yet. I mean, and those loans are different. I mean, it's, it's no, we haven't. And he's actually looking at a different kind of situation with prepays and things. But, um, in comparison, it was like, let's maybe go to Freddie because, you know, they're really pushing Freddie's really pushing to, to do more business. So, um, they're really out there trying to give rate concessions and everything to do better. But the problem is in San Diego, we just have such competitive financing available that this financing is super competitive. If you're not in a core market, like if you're in Arizona, they're or
2: Nevada, great. they'd probably be the they'd be they're, crushing it. They're crushing it. That's they the are. place to go. They're
1: probably the primary Texas, lender for yeah, anything I, I, over a million.
0: Texas, Ohio, I, I mean, you name, anywhere, like, anywhere in the Midwest, anywhere that's not coastal, to where, um, you know, if you if you have above a six percent cap rate, then the agency products are are pretty good because you can get the max leverage. on Okay.
2: That. Oh, you can go to eighty. Some, to so 80. people yeah, you, do you, go yeah, to eighty. You can actually do. So, I mean, 80%. you're
0: looking at seventy five, eighty percent. Um, you're not going to get priced up for being a, you know, a smaller market um, as much as you will with a bank. They're they're going to limit their LTV. They're going to limit their exposure to those areas. But you know, with the agency products, you can you can get pretty aggressive on there. And then there's other kind of add ins that you can do with that too. So they start with a yield maintenance prepay. What's um, what is a yield maintenance? Prepay? So basically, just assures that the bank's going to get their full interest. For the term of the loan. And they're. Um, no matter when you um, pay off. No matter when you but pay they're, off. But they're, so.
2: they're crazy. Like, people don't understand. Like, some people, like, we have people, they literally got, oh, I got a 10 year, and they didn't really understand. It, and they go to go, hey, I want to pay this off. I'll pay the prepay, and they get it. They're like, a million dollars?
0: Yeah. So, the, the last, most recent one I saw that kind of, you know, knocked me off my chair was the lady owes $850,000. Um, she's paid the loan down, and her prepay was 125000 which is crazy. And she's got like two years left on the loan. So, you know, with the step down prepay, it'll be like 5% in the first year, four in the second, three, two, one. So you, you know what your prepay is going to be at any point you pay off. Like that worst case, you know, 850,000 at, even at three percent, I mean, you're you're nowhere close to that. So because people
2: will pay right now. I mean, sometimes it's smart if you can get cash out and rates are good. Some people
0: are like I'll just pay the one percent because they're like, yeah. Some sometimes it makes sense to pay the prepay because hey, my, I'm coming up on an adjustable in two years. I don't know what rates are going to be in two years. Plus, we I know they're low. I know they're low you now. Want to sell? So. You know, I'll pay I'll pay the prepay now, I'll pull cash out, you know, enough cash to cover that. Values are good, you it's know, a good time. I've extended my fixed period out. So it's it's a great time to do that. So we do see people paying prepays, but with the yield maintenance it's just it's unknown. You know, if the rate market is is higher at the time you pay off, it's not gonna be as you know, as much of a shock. But if the rates are lower and the bank has to lend it out at a lower rate, they they basically charge you the difference on that. So um, with the agency there there's the option to get a, a step down prepay a reduced step down prepay options to do interest only so there's a lot of really there cool is a hit though in do. rate though if you do a... they're all hits to the yeah rate. They're, they're all hits to the rate um but but they're there's the options out there and like i said they'll get aggressive in the core market or the, the non-core market so and bigger you know, deals like six or seven cap or above you can get max leverage on those and that's where the agency really comes into play
1: now as an example like We recently did get a loan request, or we've had a couple loan requests actually in the desert, and um, not even Palm Springs or Palm Desert, like Desert Hot Springs as an example. We are not doing agency debt because we do actually have a lender or a couple lenders that can be aggressive there, but the vast majority of the lenders um, that we called initially were like maxed at 50% loan-to-value Or maybe 60 at best. Um, And then we found a lender that will go to 70, not 75. And again, we're going with the bank program because, again, they have the step-down prepay. They have a pretty good rate considering we're in Desert Hot Springs. Still better than, you know, what Freddie could maybe do. So we got that loan request recently. But those are the kinds of markets where, let's say, you have a decent-sized deal and you're not finding really any lenders that are lending where – when most lenders are capped at fifty to sixty percent loan to value, because they don't love If you have like a hundred year deal out
2: there, you're going Fanny or Freddie probably. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. more than
1: likely. Yeah, I would say it's like almost guaranteed. That's what you're doing.
2: And so one of the things that obviously we talk about all the time is that if somebody's buying a 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, and up million dollar deal, most of the time people are doing, you know, agency, agency, there's or their agency or, or, or life companies, life companies.
0: or um, yeah, there's other there's other types of structured debt for those.
2: And um, the, the, the
0: thing with where-
1: Fannie, Freddie, and Fannie and Freddie are oh, killing it right now yeah. in that that loan uh, dollar range, like that kind of like ten to fifty million or sixty or eighty or whatever. Or whatever, yeah. whatever um, going from there, that's where you're hearing some of these big apartment owners are like, I locked in for ten years, interest and only at you know three and three point seven five or whatever, three and a half percent. That those are like the Fannie, Freddie deals because they also do. All, they look to at like affordability and things, so you can get different types of credits um, based on location, unit mix, and the average rent. So they have their own kind of matrix in house yeah. that they plug in all this stuff, and they can give you different sorts of discounts on top of the fact that, like I said, Fannie and Freddie are really pushing to increase their volume right now. So they're giving um, they're giving pricing incentives like pretty regularly on like pretty much every deal. So even their rate sheet pricing, they can probably go a little bit lower than that on any deal.
0: And then the other <laughs> so, good thing is you can get them to compete against each other too. Cause yeah. they, that's, that's, they what, the, like losing, yeah. that's so. what
2: the, that's what the big guys do. The other thing is I think to talk about is we talk about why would you do bank or Fannie Mae? I think people need to understand too, when you're buying stuff, that's probably, let's just call it here, maybe a hundred units and below in San Diego, Bank financing is great because your buyer that's going to buy that might not be a person that wants a Fannie or Freddie loan because the reason is is they might want to pull cash out or turn the unit. But when you go 100 units and up, the buyer could be a REIT or syndicate or somebody bigger. And they have
1: to do non-recourse too. They want
2: non-recourse, but they're okay with assuming your loan. So I want to talk about that. The other thing, advantage about Fannie Mae when you get into a bigger deal or any deal, let's say, is the debt is assumable. Can you talk about how that works and the process and cost?
1: Well, pretty much all Debt is assumable um, when it comes to multifamily. So whether you're doing a bank loan or you're going with agency debt, um, they're pretty much assumable. Uh, The the big reason why people are doing agency debt outside of it being really competitive, it's really competitive. They offer full term IO, which Which lenders are not doing. Um, and they do offer non-recourse. So if you're a syndicator or you're a REIT, you have to do non-recourse because you've got all these investors in one deal that are not going to be putting up all their financials. So that's the other great thing with the agency debt is that they're getting that up front, and that that full-term I.O. is like really... Crucial, I think, when you're a re or a syndicator, because you've got to give you know a return back, and then you've got to kind of like hold back still for reserve. So that IO is really crucial. Just to for confirm, a lot of
2: people, most banks, Mitch, are they uh, recourse? Uh,
0: most start recourse. We 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 do have non recourse options for a lot of them, but a lot yeah. of times it'll be a, a pricing bump where it's it's built into the price. It makes a difference, gets. huh? It does make a difference, especially when you're getting to the larger you know larger and- loan dollars. You know, ten basis points is. Of thousands of dollars if, if big loan, yeah. yeah. And crushing. that's where
1: agencies are really crushing is on that big stuff too because um, most banks are not going to get as competitive as you're going to get with agency at that level with IO, with non-recourse because our lenders that are doing IO now are offering three to maybe five years uh, IO and there's a little bit of a bump to the pricing. Sometimes they can waive it just to be competitive if they need to, but typically there's a bump and then you get the non-recourse bump. And pricing. So, an agency really is the way to go once you're pretty much over, like, I would say maybe 10-ish, about 10 million. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah. and with the assumability, like, a lot of, you know, a lot of the REITs, they'll go with the yield maintenance prepay because they're just going to require the buyer to assume it. Um, And if they do assume it and there's significant equity, a lot of times the buyer can get a second trustee with the agency um, behind that to, you know, kind of bridge the gap and, uh the additional debt and that way you know they they assume it the seller doesn't get that yield maintenance prepay um and they still are able to finance the max leverage.
2: So I'm thinking here a couple other things that I want to talk about. One is um with commercial financing and it's some of the stuff I'm seeing come across your desk is people that have might have had a recent foreclosure, a bankruptcy, or their credits crap. In my world, there was no options. There has become but it's significantly limited and you can be significantly penalized. The other thing I want to... So I want to talk about that and then the other thing to go into is I got a call from somebody It's like, hey, I don't show any income, but I want to go buy this 10-unit building. Um, can I qualify? And so they're so used to residential where they're like, we obviously, everybody's just so scared that if you don't show income, you don't have a good credit score, you're not going to get a loan. And so can you guys kind of go through that scenario like the credit how big of a role does that play and how do you guys get around that or how do you manage that and also is how important is somebody that they got to be a w2 to show income to go qualify for a 10 unit 100 unit whatever it is
1: well this is a question we get a lot from people who are just starting in multifamily so because they come from my world your world of like Going through a nightmare just to get a loan. Um, I would say apartment lending is a lot easier than residential because we use more common sense um, than. What? Yeah, we don't just like have an underwriter that looks at a piece of paper with like guidelines on, you know, it either fits in the box or it doesn't. To some degree, we do have that, but it's not to that level. So when it comes to credit scores, um, we. Look more at what's causing your score to be at that level. So, like, let's say that you have like a six eighty FICO in residential, that would be not great. It's, and it's
2: not terrible, but that's not. But you don't want to go below ads. that. If you, you go below right, that, if it you're going to get pricing ads for yes. you.
1: I mean, your ideal is what seven forty.
2: Uh that and, and in jumbo, honestly, seven eighty is eight hundred. It's you get, you get better yeah.
1: So we don't have that. Um what we look <laughs> at because some of these bigger apartment owners too, they don't have the highest credit score. A because they're moving debt around a lot. They have a lot of inquiries because they're buying and selling and refining properties too. Um they may have a couple of like Little court things for tenants that might have taken them to you know, small or, claims or something like that. So, and that's all just part of being a larger apartment owner. So there might be some things that might be dragging their score down. I mean, we've even had scores below six eighty where if you just looked at it and it made sense. Okay, well this guy's bought fifteen properties this year, and so they're or running credit has like a crazy significant and, net worth. They just
2: basically yeah. Are like, I mean, it's
1: well, just,
0: yeah, they're going to look more at payment history yeah. than they are the the actual score. Right. Um, and if I mean, they have they, big net worth, they've done if, a bunch of loans. They don't honestly. It's like yeah. I mean, if the, if the score in the 500s are going to say, yeah, what's, what's the story here? But if it's 650, and if, 660, yeah. and there's no derogatory, it's just act, an active. Are you, you going to get report, crushed in
2: pricing if you have a 600 compared to a 780?
0: No. Yeah.
2: If you're strong and you're- the, No. Uh, it, it's,
0: it's first and foremost, we qualify the property. Okay. Um, The property, the property has to be able to pay for itself. But Linder, you do- Lender but, looks at it worst case. Like if they had to take it back, how would they operate it and still cover that debt? So- you know, you factor the management in, you factor a vacancy, you factor reserves, you factor market expenses, and then they buffer for those. Um, you know, on a refinance, they use the either the new value or the, you know, at least the loan amount for property taxes, where you know, it may only be $5,000 actually, but, you know, the property's worth $2 million, so we're going to qualify it at, you know, $15,000 for property taxes. Oh, really? So they factor in all of these kind of buffers to you know make sure that in in a bad case in a in a bad month the property can still kind of serve as itself so we would look really heavily at the property um, so the personal income personal credit is not as bad we we're really looking for a 1 to 1 on the global and you know if you're self-employed and you've got write offs cuz you've done improvements to your property and you wrote those office expenses We can add that back in. We can show that that's and it's not a battle. Actual, yeah, like recurring. It's common sense.
1: It's Uh, not a battle like what you deal with now. But you do because we also know. I mean, too, like we're doing multifamily, and if there's things like capital improvements and things that are included on the tax returns to back out. Remember, this is an underwriter who underwrites these things for a living, so they know that something's off. They're like, hey, you're right. These expenses are off. They're really high. So that. Uh, they'll probably even do because they again use their common sense do a quick search on the property and they can see online oh wow this looks like it was recently painted and this unit's like brand new okay well that kind of makes sense I mean they might go that far to look at something and kind of like make sure so it's not
2: you guys can basically tell a story we can tell a story and it's like okay, I get it. Makes sense. This is the factors and let's move on. And yes. my thing, you can tell a story. They're like, sorry, we're just, if it's not, on yeah, there, we're it's, not going to use it's, it.
0: We, we can operate in the gray. There's, it's not black yeah. and white. There, there is, you know, there's are circumstances for, you know, a lot of the, the questions that come up. And, um, if you can answer them and, um, you know, present, present the package correctly. Um, we can look at what makes sense.
2: What about bankruptcies, foreclosures, short sales, things like that? Are you guys able to? We don't to get-
1: love that, but like it happens. We've had some clients, and most recently we had a client who had a foreclosure on their record and it wasn't old. I mean, it was 2016.
0: 2016, yeah.
1: And we got him a rate in the fours with cash out on his apartment building. So I'm not. We're not here to kind of advertise this, but if somebody's gone through a hard time or something came up of that nature, it was literally a foreclosure on real estate. But we were able to, again, tell the story and their credit team, the bank's credit team accepted that and they were willing to. Uh, give the loan. Now that being said, it's like kind of a prime location. Yeah, um, and it was it
0: was extenuating circumstances. Yeah. And, he didn't have a lot of other know, stuff. There, probably, there, huh? there was that was the only derogatory. So on that helps. the credit. Um, yeah, nothing The else. credit, yeah, the score had rebounded, so you know, we were able to get around that. Um, I think one thing I want to say on that is, if there is any kind of issues, don't hide it. Like, yeah, let us address it up front. Let us because you've put, had people hide it and they catch there. it in the end, huh? Yeah, and if you if you hide it and we catch it in the end. The underwriters already got a bad taste in their mouth for it. So Yeah, you you, um, you can't it's it's tough to change their mind once they've made, you know, once they've kind of you have lost on. you yeah. essentially lost trust. You you've lost credibility, you And they're going to hold so. your they're
2: holding your loan yeah. for 5 years and servicing like if you're lying to me then I yeah. don't want to be so, in that relationship.
0: So if there is any kind of issues, let address it up front, you know, take care of it. Most of the time there is there is something we can get around. So um, that's the I guess the biggest The biggest point for, you know, credit foreclosures, bankruptcy, like address it, you know.
1: And we've gotten around bankruptcies, um, that fairly recent bankruptcies as well, um, that had a story that made sense. Because again, in the last downturn, a lot of people took a hit. So where it made sense – and. Again, we're looking at this more common sense, too. If someone had to file bankruptcy, they kind of look at what type of bankruptcy and what was given back. And, you know, there's a whole bunch of factors that go into it that maybe yeah. there's – Partnerships yeah. have
0: gone sour. Um, you know, any any number of things where, you know, at, at partnerships are probably one of the
1: – The biggest the ones. The biggest ones
0: that we've seen that we're able to get around, you know, fairly easily with a story. Somebody may have, you know, been overextended and one partner was, you know, fairly conservative. And, you know, they have to BK that company because – you know the the guy that's conservative is not going to float the partner that you know, leveraged everything or, like, or, whatever, or stole or whatever stole or whatever it is. Yeah, so. so we've
1: had some of those scenarios and we've gotten loans done at competitive terms and rates so um, if you have any of those situations it's not a hundred percent you're not going to get financing or that you have to take some terrible hard money loan or anything like that Um, that's always there if you can't get the loan but um, but again I would say you're probably looking at we're here in San Diego or LA or Southern California getting these types of deals done if you're in like Timbuktu with your small little property, you're probably going to have harder time with that. (laughs) So if you're in a core market, though, there are lenders out there. I mean, California
2: is one of the best probably, if not But also to
1: structure. I mean, deal structure is always important. But when you have those sorts of issues, that's when it can be really helpful to work with someone like us to properly structure it. Because we can also have conversations. We have the relationships. We have experience with multiple closings. We know exactly which lenders. would consider this or not. Um, I we've had that situation where a client already, you know, they've come to us and they've already shopped all over town, every single lender, and they're like, Oh yeah, I saw this deal. Oh, I saw this deal from two or three different people. And people go like, Well, I've got to shop the best deal. Yeah, you're right, but you also need to pay attention to how you look to a bank and being that person Presentation. Yeah, it's the presentation and who who did all these other people and how did you present your deal and
2: And what's your relationship with the bank?
1: Yeah, but also too, like if I'm gonna present it and a bank's already seen it three other times, I don't know what the other person's presented. I mean, I'm gonna present it in my best light, but if it looks different the last few times they saw it, they're they're already already looked
0: at it, they may not even review it again. So it's you know, again, that's going back to the being up front and you know, having everything all the cards on the table. Um, if they've, if they've seen it and it didn't make sense, the underwriters already made their mind up. You're, you're not going to, you're going to have a tough time convincing them otherwise. So, um, that's where, you know, you don't want to have 10 different people presenting it because they're going to present it 10 different ways. You want to, you know, work with a professional that's going to put it together and has experience know, and, and has experience that's dealt with this. That's, you know, that can kind of guide you going into it and, um, take the time to, you know, address the concerns up front to make sure you're not going to get the rug pulled out at the 11th hour. Um, do you guys do
2: stated loans? Do you have programs where you don't have to show tax returns? So if somebody's tax return just looks really bad, their business lost money or they're negative. Yes. So there is, so we have
1: a couple of, uh, programs that don't require tax returns with competitive rates, very competitive. competitive. Okay, cool. Yeah.
0: So that's some of the agency programs don't require tax returns. Um,
2: what's, what's something else you guys are seeing right now that we should be talking about? in the current market with refis purchases right now, I I'm noticing a lot. I don't know why, but maybe you're, you're just crystals kind of back into the lending game, you know, because you've been doing property management for so long, you're back and getting a lot more deals and you guys are doing a lot of purchases, but it's kind of funny because there's a lot of conversation. People come to with this fanny debt, I fanny, fanny. And all of a sudden you're, you're educating them because you have experience and they're like, wow, I never thought about going this way. Cause I don't know why some people just go, Yeah, let's do a fanny loan, just do it. And nobody's pushing them. Maybe they're going straight to a fanny lender that doesn't broker to other mm. banks. But what else are you guys seeing besides that kind of transition? What else is going on?
0: Well, we've we've seen the purchase market be a little bit more a little bit more active, less competitive where, you know, all the deals are going to the big players. Um so that that you know, last year I wanna say you know, a lot it was a lot of the same people we were seeing that were buying buying all the deals come through. Um, a lot of them were on the market. Now. now it's now it's spread out a little bit. So, hmm. you know, properties aren't – you're not getting bid up on the properties to where they don't qualify and, you know, you're putting 50% down and your average buyer can't do it. We're we're seeing them start to pencil out a little bit better where they're, where they're trading at, you know, 5, 5.5 cap instead of like a 4 cap or – um, and that's that's going to be in your. It
1: Depends on what area. It area. On, it Do you think because area, you think
0: but... because
2: obviously there's so much exchange money too in the last.
1: There's a lot of exchange money, and um, rates have gone down a little bit, and um, also too. I think there was when rates did go up last year there was a lot of nervousness about what the market was doing and whether or not we were heading into a recession. Everybody keeps talking about it, and we've had a good, strong market for a while now, so that's the big question everybody asks. It's funny because we had somebody on. Yeah, everybody's like, do you think a recession's coming? Are we heading into into a recession? So I think some of that's been alleviated with the low rates, and so people have felt comfortable again to start becoming active.
2: Kind of the same thing in the uh, residential.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, people are feeling more comfortable and you're right. Our pipeline is more full now with purchases than I remember it being for a long time. Yeah. So. We
0: were, we were pretty refinance heavy for, you know, the past couple of years. And Did you same, have a lot, you guys
2: deal with a lot of active clients, just a lot like of
0: active clients and we're seeing a lot, you know, a lot more purchase activity, a lot of, you know, a lot of new clients that are, you know, buying their first deal, their first apartments and, um, they're, they're getting offers accepted now where, you know, like I said before we were seeing you know, people have to come in with 50% down just to make a, a normal deal work. And, um, that's, that's tough to get into your first deal. You know, you 50% a, you're, raise you're 50% the rents, fix down, up the property. But, yeah. It's a lot more than that. Yeah. And all the, all the capital for the improvements. Yeah. And, it could um, be
2: 20 grand a door, 25 a door. So you got to put 50% but so people are like, that's, they don't realize there's yeah. a lot plus, of money.
0: Plus you got to have the reserves. Plus you got to have vacancy the time. That's, yeah. the, that's the other part. So. Yeah, you know, we've we've seen more um you know some of the properties that have been rehabbed where they're you know, they're turnkey, they're ready to go. So, you know, an investor can go in and buy it that just just wants an investment property. They don't want a project. So, yeah. um we're we're seeing more of that stuff coming around now.
2: Um the other thing I think that's big right now is even in residential is a lot of people are for residential we're seeing a lot of people their arms are adjusting now but they're going up so they were able to even if they're adjusting to, when the rates were low they're like oh it was great but they went up with the adjustment because the index went up with mm-hmm. the margin and i know you guys as most people refinance it's five to ten years but you guys average probably loan is five to seven years yeah, five to seven years. and if if so if you have a five-year loan is the prepay five four three two one or because it's no, four it could be it could be different but some some people are like i got a year out a lot of people are calling you saying let's refi like extend lock in take cash out that's a big yeah, rate, thing to right, right now yeah rates are low
0: right now so if there's i mean if there's no prepay a lot of people are jumping in to refinance and you know at the worst yeah not even if they're not pulling cash out they're extending their fixed period and a lot of people so, are doing IO now too yeah you can do interest only or you can do a new 7 year fix so instead of having a year left before you go into that adjustment you know period you you've got 7 years let's talk about and,
2: uh, the IO i think a lot of people um When the market was down, a lot of people were not doing IO.
0: A lot of banks weren't offering IO.
2: Yeah. Fannie's always there offering it because they're dealing with the big reads, the big boys, and that's just how their model works. Like, you know, and we always talk to people like, why would you do IO? And we just will have the same conversation again. It's like if you're buying these guys that buy a hundred million dollar building and they put 30 or 40 million dollars down, let's say, right? They put 30 or 40 million dollars down. That's a principle right there. They owe this. They want a return on the thirty to forty millions down well, to let's their Let's bring it down
1: to like yeah. the normal human being that's uh, buying uh, a two million dollar deal okay. that's putting forty
2: percent down, let's say.
1: You know, forty percent down. Let's say they're putting down like nine, eight or nine hundred thousand dollars. You want to return on that money too. That's not a that's not chump change. So if you have a fairly conservative deal and you want to cash flow, I mean you may want that cash flow because not just because that's what I put down and that's what I have in, maybe you have plans to fix up the property and there maybe the rents are low and you need to raise rent some and you think there might be some turnover. So you wanna have you wanna be able to utilize your cash flow to make improvements to the property, which is perfectly, you know, We did that
2: with one of ours. Normal. In old town. Yeah. We, we sat down with our partners and they weren't even looking at it. And I said, Why don't we do IO? They said, Well, why? I said, Because you're going to save this much money over this much time and we can put in the bill. And they're like, Oh, yeah, without reducing your cash flow. So and the if bank's you don't, not, you're not going to get the distribution you want.
1: The bank's not at risk. Yes, you're right. You put money down on the purchase of the property, you have to put but more you down can. You too. can. Your principal reduction is usually fairly small, so you can take that principal reduction and actually reinvest it into the property to increase cash flow and therefore increase value. <laughs> So, I mean, I'm a big fan of the interest only, and honestly, I think banks started having to offer interest only because Fannie and Freddie were offering it, and they had to do it to be competitive. So they were getting some of these deals, and there's still a decent amount of banks that don't love IO. I think they're still kind of warming up to the idea, uh, hence the reason why they're only offer. Most banks are offering three years of IO. Some are offering five. uh, Very few. So, yeah, now they're offering just a little bit of an IO period. Now, the one thing that people might not know about that is that if you do, like, let's say a five year fixed with three years of IO, there's a couple of lenders that will not re after the three years of IO. So, they could amorti- have it amortized over 30 years. But the majority of the lenders for IO are going to um, basically use a 27 year amortization after that IO. So your payment period. would go up. So your payment well, th- we ran the numbers on it and if you're doing three years of I.O. and after the three years, your payment is actually about the same. It's like a few dollars difference. It's maybe less. Um, it's it's basically not really going up on the payment unless your are uh, rate on the adjustment if the rate adjusts up, obviously it's going to, but it's it's really well, and on. Interest
0: only same. if it reamortizes your your payment does uh yeah. does jump. You know, because it's you're going from interest only to to P and I, but the difference in what the P and I payment would be from the 30 year to the 27 year isn't isn't as dramatic. Yeah, um, and I think the one we ran was the the five plus five program. Oh where, yeah, that was the
1: five plus five. So yeah. when
0: it reamortize that that reamortizes over 25 years in the second, but you've already been paying principal in the first five years, so yeah, you're right. Not much of a difference on that.
1: Um, so on even the, at I, the worst case, on the IO we ran it, and um, even on ours the iO payment versus so the yeah P&I. I think
0: what we what we ran was that the um, your savings over the interest only period um, are at worst case negated if it re amortizes so you're you're gonna be paying the same amount um, over the over the fixed five-year period with if, if you do interest only in the first three years and then it's amortized over 27 years for the last two you're, you're essentially paying the same amount but you know in that case you just Make sure you only have a three-year prepay and refinance, and get a, another interest-only in there because you just make sure you, you just make
2: sure you understand what you're getting into. And like, for example, on our the building we're going to close on, Mitch, what do you think the difference is just in monthly of uh, like money we're going to put in our pocket from IO to principal and interest?
1: We calculated that it was like five grand or something, right? A month. Yeah, something like that. I think
0: I think it was about five grand a month additional cash flow. Yep. So you're you know, you're looking at 60 grand a year.
2: Yeah. So about every million dollars it's probably around, mm, around 1200 bucks. 1200 bucks you're going right to save. There. Yep. So when you start getting into Of course
0: depending on the, you know, the interest rate and everything else. Exactly. Yeah. That was a little bit higher interest rate, but it was the, you know, 5-year fixed, 5 years of IO, so full term IO.
2: And we could have qualified for I mean, I don't know how much more loan dollars, but a little bit more if it was
0: principal interest. Yeah, for principal and interest you could have qualified. How for... much how much more do you think? Three four hundred thousand dollars. Oh, really? It's that much more. We, we can wow. go to a lower, you know, lower DCR, um, low rate, everything else. So, well,
2: I didn't even. I didn't realize. I but thought we look
0: at like an apples to apples, and in that case, I mean, it's um, a bigger
2: loan. I mean, it's not like yeah. A, and in yeah, that, that case, it that's didn't, a three point. What is the loan? What's the loan amount? So people know uh, we're talking about three million eight fifty. So three million eight fifty. If we would have gone PI, we'd have been at four Two or 150 yeah, four, or
0: something? 4.1, 4.2. But okay. you, didn't, you didn't want to get that high because you're exchanging into that. and. Oh, no, no, totally. Using, I'm just, I'm just talking numbers the, with, with people. Yeah, three, so. The 3.8 is where we needed to be to use all the exchange proceeds and replace all the debt. And so, we're good to go. So the 1031's, you know, fully satisfied. So you didn't need any more. So we didn't press for any more.
2: And it is. And I mean, so although banks don't like I.O., you are putting down more money. So that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, you're you're gonna get qualify. You're gonna be a little bit more stringent qualifying. So they may hit it with a higher DCR, higher qualifying rate. Um, there's there's different you know different factors for different lenders, but um, obviously we we have the relationships with them, so we know if you're looking for max loan dollars, it's not gonna be the one that hits you at a you know two percent higher rate for qualifying. It's gonna be the one that hits. It may be a little higher DCR. Every um,
1: lender is different for the qualifying for the IO. So, as an example, some lenders are qualifying two percent above the start rate, which is ridiculous.
2: That's like residential. Holy s- yeah, c- no, it, that would
0: kill your, your, loan, your dollars. loan dollars. But it, it basically yeah. does that because they want to make sure, hey, if if something happens, worst case, they've got the debt covered. You know? Yeah. I mean, it'd almost be easier to, if they qualified it at the full P and I and realize, hey, you're gonna have you know lower lower payments but they they qualify it higher because they want to make sure that you know that that, that property is going to be stable and be you're, you're not gonna have any trouble covering the debt so so
2: what else what else are you guys seeing out there I was trying to think IO is a big one refinancings a bit so we basically went through today to recap the difference of Fannie and Freddie the Fannie Freddie and a bank loan or agency debt we call it so agencies is Fannie and Freddie life companies and like a bank loan. Um, and that, to sum it up, that comes down to prepays, expenses, how they qualify, and then depending on where you are located, not in just San Diego, but throughout the country. We went through um, credit, bankruptcies, foreclosures, bad credit, that if you have a good story, if there's mitigating factors, that could just not be an issue at all. There's banks that do that. And you can, it's not necessarily you're going to get cr- nailed with a huge, like half a point hit to the rate, like residential or bigger. Um, we also went through IO interest only, you know, the benefits of that. Um, you guys are doing, like I said, a lot of people right now are paying one year prepays or they're coming out of an arm. If you're, if you're in a, if you've locked in a five or seven year arm and you got a year or two left, you really should call whether it's you guys or somebody else. If they're having another broker, you really should call and see what's out there and check to see if maybe it's now the time to pull the trigger. Because I think a lot of people forget. It's not just that rates are good, but if we go in a recession, things tighten, values yeah, can it, go lower. People remember it's like, it, like somebody, I forget who said, somebody said the best time to pull cash out of a property is not when you're in the middle of a recession, when you want cash because everything's cheap. It's like now. And if you see the smart people right now, like real estate investors, a lot of them are getting Well capitalized, they're getting their debt. They're getting their. They're basically extending out their debt. They're sitting on cash. They're getting ready. If there's a correction, ten percent, twenty percent, thirty percent, whatever it is, you want to be ready to jump on it. You don't want to be in the middle of a recession calling Mitchell Crystal like I need to get this book. Well, we're not getting the values and rents went down and and the banks that were aggressive are like, well, they're being more conservative. And on top of that, you know, maybe rates are lower, but. Look in the recession last year. I know it was a, gl- a global, it was a financial crisis, not a recession. So I also want to talk about that. Everybody keeps talking about this whole recession. Last, in 2008, it was a financial collapse. That was not a recession. A recession is usually the typical real estate goes down 20%. And a financial collapse, the real estate went down anywhere from thirty oh, to seventy, to eighty percent. Yeah. so I want to I, people I know were so scarred from that. And everybody's like, "Oh my god, we're gonna it's gonna crash again." And I'm like, N- "We could just have twenty percent." And even real estate, like we were just talking about residential real estate, and from fourth quarter of last year just till recently was like dead slow. Like things went down, like.
1: We haven't had huge appreciation either. I mean, I I think if you look at the appreciation that we've been getting over the last five years to even, like, towards, like, I'd I'd say from middle of last year till now, we haven't had really huge appreciation. Well, it just came off the bottom. Our rent growth has really slowed down. Now, maybe in other markets that I've seen, you know, some articles and things about rent growth still being really strong. So, I mean, I would say that San Diego tends to be a leader a market leader so when we were going into the financial crisis I think we were starting to see the signs really early but we were also the first like one of the first to recover um you know so I think there were some other cities like San Francisco didn't really have any problems and yeah. there's some other places that we talked about that didn't really have any problems but San Diego is one of those leaders I, th- I feel like with the market so um where was I going with that?
0: Uh, not sure, <laughs> but yeah. So, so San, Diego, <laughs> San, San Diego did recover pretty quickly. So oh yeah, we, so we haven't, haven't seen the
1: re- we haven't seen the rent growth as much in the last year.
0: Back to
2: the yeah, scheduled I presentation.
1: Like, I haven't seen the appreciation
0: um, or rent growth as much yeah, in the past you know, year over year in the past year. Um, I mean, we, we just we I like, mean, I think that's a
1: good thing though. It's normal. Like I, I don't. You it's know,
0: stabilized we don't, don't, as as you know, it was. Yeah. It was growing. We so don't crazy growth.
2: Some some places saw. Yeah massive, like some parts of Arizona, the rents in the recession went down 30% from where they are now. And now that you go back, you can look at data and they have recovered 30% difference. It's been huge, but that's because they jobs and everything got clobbered there. So I, that's why I went, I mean, cause everybody's saying the R word. And now my new thing is, is somebody really said that they're like, quit talking about 2008 is a recession. That's why they call it the Great Recession.
1: Who would you hear hear say that? There was an economist. There was an
2: economist um, that uh, he basically works with a lot of residential real estate agents. He goes, I keep hearing recession, recession, but let's get it straight. A recession is typically 11 months to 24 months long. It's usually 20% dip in real estate on the average. And so with even, but with and then I tell people like we this is different also because rates in this recession are already low they'll go lower, so they'll they'll go lower than they are. If there's a recession, they'll go lower. You know we we already
1: had you know Alan Nevin on the podcast previously, and I, I think a lot of people are saying that there are no real indicators. Of a recession, it's just that everybody's getting nervous because it's of the time. You know, most people that you talk to will say, about every seven to ten years, we go through a market cycle. So it's been like almost it's been like eight years, it's been ten years, almost ten years or ten years. So everybody's like, okay, where's the recession? It's time, but we're not seeing any signs of it. And one of the things that um, was really interesting that Alan r- reminded us is that we don't necessarily have to have a recession every. Look time. at Australia. He, the, Australia has not had a recession. It's Since nineteen ninety two. Yeah.
2: And they're probably getting their first correction coming up just because sometimes it's just how it's like getting sick. Sometimes you just get sick, right? Just how the human, you just get sick. You just get a flu. Sometimes people go, I didn't get a flu for three years and you well, get sick. sometimes
1: and- it's good to kind of flush out. Some things that are not you know good, and like you said, um, I think you were talking about it the other day for residential financing. Uh, we're not as lo- you're not as loosey goosey as as you were. I showed not even you. Close.
2: I showed everybody that I showed you the chart, right? Yeah. Like everybody always wants to talk, like oh, we're doing all these bad loans again. You see all these articles, and I tell people, why don't you just ask for the data? Don't listen to. Some idiot on CNN or those well, Fox, just sorry. it's is all it is. It's talk. So I, you, know. so you don't
0: have the stated, stated S- subprime. It's not. It's not, it's not, not Let, let's just say finance. we did. Yeah. So
2: I showed you guys a chart, and basically oh. the chart I showed, Crystal, we were doing a trillion dollars a year of bad debt, like just shit loans. Right now, that line is like, it's a joke. It's like, I don't even know what you want to say. It's like, we're doing, it was like it's up here, nothing. and it's like here. It was like, it's it's nothing. it's nothing. It's like. Yeah. My mic back? Is that better? Yeah, it's better. Okay. Paco says he can't hear me. Um, So anyways, basically, it's a blimp. So what caused the last recession, now that we have the data, four states caused it. California, Nevada, Arizona, and Florida. Those four states where all the bad loans were written actually caused a global – that was the start of a global meltdown. California is
1: huge and its own.
0: No, that's just yeah, California is what the fifth largest economy in the world, if yeah. It was by yeah, itself, so. That's yeah. So we should be our world. own country, basically. Oh, in the world. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. We should basically be our own. So, country. so, I think
2: people forget, like, what's let's so let's take a step back. Like, that's what we're, I mean, the GDP just came out today. We're at 3.2 growth.
1: That's yeah. healthy.
2: It's, 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 it's the market. Guess what they did? They're like, it wasn't good. The 10 year went down today because they're like, they're not impressed by it because everybody's yes, against... That's, that's what's... No, because the market, standard. everybody's fearing a recession. And like Alan said, the reason why we'll have a recession is some crazy thing will happen or we will just basically will ourselves into a recession. Like, like you'll start thinking recession and everybody starts acting like there's a recession so then we just don't buy anything. And how do you get out of a recession? Is people just you buy got, shit. You gotta spend money.
1: Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: So, if we are gonna have a recession, now's the time to refinance. Pull your cash out. Get ready. If you, if you believe it's coming take advantage of the values while they're here now um, one thing you said I wanted to touch on is you know, if you've got a loan that's going to be adjustable look at look at what your margin your index is look at where your floor rate Good point is you know a lot of times you you may not realize it you're sitting at 3.75 and you're like well, what is your guys typical margins but,
2: do you know what your typical margins are right?
0: Two and a half, two point seven five, and that's the and average. That's the average, and it's either over one year CMT. What, what is the six, um, six month? LIBOR. month What's LIBOR. the six month
2: LIBOR? What is all that at two, uh, sp-
0: Six month LIBOR, I think, was like one ninety five. Is that what percent. it is? The one year CMT is at two forty. Okay, so let's so, talk about that. Let's just talk about that. I so Okay, yeah, you, you two look million at your dollar loan adjustment. You're going to five mean, percent. There you go. So, so two, so $2 million dollar loan, you're going hit, five. Where are you at not, right now? We're you know new new five year fix, seven year fixed, four point one. So there you go. Yeah, you're you're a point lower if you fix in now instead of, who knows what it's going to be in a year or two. If you think a recession's coming, um, you're not going to go lower than where you're at now. But you know, wouldn't you feel better locking in for another seven years, pulling that cash out and have the buying power if we do go into a recession?
1: And the other thing is, is you were mentioning to call somebody, you know, like call us or call someone like us we don't get paid until the deal closes. So it does not hurt you to call someone and get an opinion rather than just going straight to whatever bank you did the loan with or whatever. I mean, you definitely want to make sure you're getting the best deal. And again, we get paid because we're competitive and we do a great job. Um, And we don't charge you any sort of like fee to look at your scenario and give you some advice on where to go. Um, So it definitely would not hurt you to do that. It it would be a smart thing to do.
2: And I think, you know, to kind of wrap this up, people are at what one bank and they go, Well, I'm going to go back there. What they don't realize is that there's three other banks over here that are having like major, they want volume. So what do they do? They go, Cool, I'm just going to go 40 basis points lower than everybody else. So you literally, some people go, Oh, I just refi three loans my bank. You're like, Do you realize you could have just saved 40 basis points if you just would have? And you don't need to call 40 banks. That's why there's a broker, like you said, that's, that's, they that's work what we do. for we. free.
1: Or what about the guy that wanted the thought he needed the Freddie Mac loan for some odd reason? I mean, we ended up getting him a rate that was, you know, fifty basis points without a yield maintenance prepay. Without a yield maintenance prepay, because this is the thing, back in the recession, um, there wasn't a lot of financing available, so we were refinancing owners, and owners were so scared that they were all saying, like a lot of them, "I want the longest term fixed I can possibly get." Well, who was doing that? It was Fannie. And so we did a lot of Fannie debt on 10-year fix. And I'm like, hey, guys, you're probably going to regret this because this yield maintenance, like, don't call me in five years and say, Crystal, can, will they negotiate? Will they help me out with this? Fannie Mae is not going to negotiate a payoff with you. You signed on the dotted line that you got yield maintenance. Why would they give you a discount? Oh, if I bring my refi back. No, they were they going to make a certain amount of money. So I, I every owner we did these loans for, I said, you're going to regret this. Here's the option. This is what it is. I'm educating you on how it works. They all did. The people that took it have called me over the last 10 years and said, Hey, uh, the refi or cash out, or can you cal- help me calculate my prepay? I'm like, Some okay, of them you did it two, want. three times. People regret it and they forget that they were in this panic, you know, five, six, eight years ago. And now they want to do something. Again, this is an investment. This is a vehicle for you to leverage, to go buy other real estate, to sell, to trade up, to do all kinds of different things on. So when you're locked in with that yield maintenance, you have the least amount of flexibility possible. And even if you think you're never going to sell this property, you're never going to do that. I mean, how many properties were we never going to sell? (laughs) It's like... No, you never know what's gonna come up. It's an investment, it's a business, so you never know if you're gonna take a really great offer that somebody gave you or that you found another building that you really wanna buy and you need to access some of your equity. Yeah, I can case So
0: there's there's at least a handful of deals where they you know, clients have missed out on <sighs> on great buys because they just they couldn't access their equity. They're sitting there with you know, three, four million dollars tied up in this building that they just they can't touch. For ten, got yield let, let's let's just let's and talk let's, about. You know, they're they're three or four years into a ten year fix, so they're they're sitting on their hands for seven years, and they're they're missing out on you know the, the appreciation we saw since 2012.
2: Yeah, one in particular, I was thinking um, a gentleman. He, I remember when his loan got done again. He, we talked, and he's like, I. He's like, I can't tell you how many times I thought about how much money I lost taking this deal. And Crystal was like, I don't think you want to take this. You kept telling him you don't want to take this deal. Are you sure you're locked in? No, no, I want to have it. And that's the thing is, is he lot he could have pulled cash probably twice over ten years,
0: and and not to and, mention the deals he could have bought. Oh,
2: the, I mean, the, he, he I can't out, tell so. you how much equity do you think he had in his property? No, no, no. He so he had.
0: Uh, I, 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 no, I think were, there was probably close to four to five million that was sitting there that he couldn't that he couldn't that he could have accessed. I mean, he had seven, eight million dollars in equity, and he probably could have pulled out four or five million.
2: Yeah. Uh, so to- basically, our point is is if you pulled out four or five million once, and you're in and then you and you just went and bought a couple of properties with that. you You were you, you could have doubled your money so basically he lost another four he could have been sitting on a lot of money so he realizes like and this is why we say is when you're locked in you're locked in
1: and the one thing you really want as a real estate owner is flexibility you want to be able to na- like to pivot and move and do things whenever you need to and prepayment penalties can really really hinder you especially yield maintenance i mean we even think about a lot of times for our clients if if i've got you know, three different options for a five or a seven or a ten year fixed with a client. I'll prob- I'll usually give them to them. And one's like, hey, this is a really low rate, but you have this terrible prepay on it. Or hey, this one this rate's a little bit higher, but you only have a prepay. Like maybe on a five year fix, I can get you a three year prepay, so the last two years are open for you to do whatever you need to do. Um, or this lender has a better rate, but they're qualifying at a higher DCR, so you're not getting as many loan dollars. Like we're gonna give you all the options. So you can make the best decision. And it's funny because people are so rate sensitive. But that's not the whole picture. So, I mean, it's not about what your interest rate is per se. It's about what's your payment. What kind of flexibility can you get? What kind of closing costs? Like there's other factors involved in your loan than just your rate.
2: Yeah, the other thing too is I think – you know, we're not talking about these big, massive deals because they lock those up because they're going to be assumed it's a completely different model. When you're buying a 500-unit building for $100 million, that's a completely different model. So you guys like Grant Cardone and stuff, they do refi, but that's a different model. We're ta- And also, too, if you're starting as an active real estate investor and you're like, I'm buying this deal and I'm never going to sell it, like Crystal said, oh, you're Mitch, sell. Mitch, will, Mitch will tell you. How many times do we say, Mitch, we're not going to sell... This one, this one, this one, this one, and we said, nope, we're just going to hold it, even though we sold them all. Why? Because there's there's other deals. There's there's more money to – at the end of the day, it's not about the rate. It's not about all this stuff. It's about, like Crystal said, being fluid and flexible, and there's more money to be made. Once you get into the game and once you understand the game, if if you're not an active real estate investor, if you own one building and you don't understand the strategy because you're really – not understanding how to build wealth. Building wealth is making sure you're flexible and maneuver. Look, if you got a ton of cash and you have a business that just throws off a ton of cash and you want to lock something up, that's a different story. But we're talking about the guy that is buying real estate, trading up, cashing out, and, and moving and moving and moving the needle every single year. And eventually they're trying to get to. Five hundred units of allergies. Well, maybe you're not
1: gonna. Maybe it's not to sell your property. Like I said, maybe it's to refi and pull cash out. Maybe you don't even think you're gonna want to pull cash out, but maybe somebody in your family passes away, or your kid needs to go to college, or you want to do improvements to the property, or there's there's or any, somebody offers you
2: a stupid price for your honestly, property. There's
1: any number of reasons you're going back to selling the property. You love to talk about that. Um, That's a reason, but though. Honestly, there's any number of reasons that you would want to be flexible um, with your portfolio. So there's just a lot of reasons you want to be able to the point is you need to be able to do what you want to do when you want to do it so a prepayment penalty is definitely a big thing to consider in your loan and
2: and and this is my last thought i was talking to a real estate agent yesterday um he's a selling agent and he told me that he locked in on a 3.25 on a 30 year fix about five years ago. And you know what he said to me? I will never refinance this ever. And he just refinanced it at 3.875. And I said, I'm so surprised. And he says, Yep, because I had to consolidate debt. Mm-hmm. And I said, Exactly the same point. Everybody thought they locked in on the three percent. And Mitch and I were talking about it. we're never gonna refire. We're like, Yeah, you will, no, you won't. We're like, yes, you will, no, we won't. Yes, you will, because you might go consolidate debt and credit card, you're paying 10%. Now you can go refi and get 3.875. It's like three percent. You can't borrow money that cheap, not at the level you're at, not at a normal human being. If you're a high net worth person, if you, so if
0: you can borrow against your house or anything else at you know three, four percent and you go get six percent return on your money on another investment, like why not?
2: That's exactly what we're saying. So, guys, the point is if you're new real estate investors, old experienced, whatever, most of them know this. The, having the flexibility is if you have that equity and you can grab it right now and get it at four percent, and you have an opportunity, which we do sometimes, is an off-market deal comes or you're in the game and you get that. You're like, oh my gosh, I can buy this property and there's a not only can I make cash on cash return of six to eight percent, but I can make a half a million dollars in this buy by rehabbing it. What is a four? What, what, you're not even caring about this. Yeah, you're you're, you're the, over the,
0: here. The base you borrowed at is you're getting it's four percent. You're so much better than that,
2: and your money sitting in the bank's making nothing. It's dead. It's useless. So, I, I hopefully you guys got some nuggets. I wanted to bring Crystal and Mitch on um, to talk more about commercial real estate. Talk about the financing. Obviously, if you guys have a scenario like they said, just reach out. We don't make a nickel until we close a deal. So, yes, we're incentivized to close deals. That's how we make money. That's how we make a living. That's how we buy Harlow shoes and clothes now, but. <laughs> But basically, at the end of the day, we like to help people and educate people and we're in a position where that's what we're that's why we're here doing this, because we, we don't want to see somebody make a wrong decision that's locked in. We've already seen it. And they literally you're you're dealing with them calling you every other year frustrated and pissed off that there's gotta be a way to get out of this prepay. And we keep telling them, There is, it's a million dollars. Now it went down to six hundred or five hundred. Or there's Right right now, everybody's like, what should I lock into? Is it a five-year? It's a seven-year? That's why you have to sit down and strategize. What's your game plan? What do you want to do? There's not more than just... Oh, I gotta get the rate in this. It's like it's a strategy talk. So if you're talking to is, hold on, let me finish. If you're talking to a bank or a lender and they're not going over prepays and strategies and things like that, you're talking to the wrong person hundred percent. If they're just like, yeah, close a loan and do this, wrong, wrong, wrong. I'm saying I'm just saying that's not a person you should be talking to. I'm just to. saying. I'm
0: just saying. Yeah. yeah, every every deal's different. We try to structure for what your long term goals are, not just you know, what what you need right now. Like what what are your plans for the property? What are you what are your three to five years? Um, are you looking to grow this portfolio? Are you looking to trade up? So, yeah, you know, we can help kind of guide you through those scenarios. Um, through Crystal, last numbers. thought.
1: <laughs> that is, Close hard. Uh, so I, what I was going to say is the banks generally, I mean, we know a lot of bankers and we work with them and we have great relationships with them, but they're not really... In the business of helping you to structure, not just the one loan. I mean, they're there to essentially quote you rates and programs and be experts on their program, but they're not going to know the nuances that a real estate investor is going to think about. I mean, just as an example, we're helping a client with a purchase right now that was a referral. There are two vacant units right now, and the seller is just super absent we're helping them lease the last two units so they can get the loan that they need.
2: How's that for service, baby?
1: What banker is going to do that for you? Hello, Bueller. Sure anyone? Are you
2: listening? Mitch goes been going to all the appraisals. Who does that?
1: If yeah, here? one of us attends all the appraisals. Mostly Mitch these days, but um, one of us attends the appraisals. Why? Because maybe because we want we do when we have clients that have us in the you know, involved in the beginning. We like to go and see if there's going to be any issues that could come out. So, um, yeah, Mitch goes to the appraisals and your banker's not going to be doing these things. Um, we're doing, we do what it takes to get the loan closed. It's not a normal part of our business. I'm not a leasing agent, but we You've managed a few units though. We've managed. A few, but <laughs> I mean, a and few. that's where, that's where our experience kind of comes in. And then also just like going, like doing what it takes to get the thing done. So, um, yeah, that's, that's my, my hard clothes.
0: That was a good hard clothes. Mitch, anything? Yeah, check us out PacificShoreCapital.com, um, uh, YouTube, Pacific Shore Capital. Got a lot of videos up there with. Monty, you know, where, cool are we, where are they at on uh, Instagram, social media? Capital.
1: Pacific Shore Capital.
0: Pacific Shore Capital. <laughs> Capital. Instagram.
1: Who would have thought? Uh,
0: Facebook. <laughs> Facebook, Pacific
2: Shore Capital. <laughs> yep. And LinkedIn, uh, that's it. Yep. Thanks for listening. Awesome.
1: Drive safe.